Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is June 30th, 2012. Well, things are going on the way it is in the world, and... um, Let me check uh, watch.org here. I had another rough week. I'm sure that many of you could identify with that. Um, As I've explained in this program, a Torah teacher that understands the Bible real good understands that they need to go out and and work like other people. And the fact that Yeshua, or Jesus, was a carpenter and his followers, uh, the apostles, uh, and other disciples also worked. Uh, that can be easily proven out of the scriptures. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll quote those scriptures today, but the point is that, uh, you know, I do work like you, uh, and uh, it's tough. It's tough out there. The economy is, is really uh, messed up right now. I don't see it improving unless a miracle happens, and from time to time miracles do happen, but uh, I don't think I have to tell you if you've been keeping up with the news and, and not having your head in the sand, you, you realize that the economy is very, very bad. And uh, times are tough, especially for tour teachers, and I'm going to get into that in a minute here. But um, I'm at watch.org here. It says, top Iran official, U.S. threats of military attack against nuclear program are empty. So uh, it says, U.N. troublemakers, church and Nativity, First World Heritage Site under Palestine. So uh, these are things uh, to look for. And this website is a really good website to go to to keep up with what's going on uh, geopolitically, in particular how it involves uh, Jerusalem and Israel and the Middle East. So I refer to it from time to time. Uh, we know that uh, we're going through a lot of weather disturbances right now in this country, uh, sweltering heat blasts for Chicago, Atlanta, D.C., Philly, New York City. It says Washington, D.C. breaks record temperatures set in 1934. Oh, we've had four named storms before July. That has never happened before in the history of us recording the weather. So I just wanted to point that out um, States here on this website, Mid-Atlantic storms knock out power to nearly 2 million people. It says violent storms swept through the Mid-Atlantic Friday night, knocking out power to nearly 2 million people across the region. The storms are converged on Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Pack winds topping 70 miles per hour 
in some places. So I do have an article that I wrote, uh, Guided Hurricanes, on my Merciful Servants of God website. I invite you to read that. It shows that God speaks through the weather. And with our president, unfortunately, announcing to the world, basically, that uh, two people of the same sex ought to get married, uh, <laughs> God is not going to sit there and take that and say, yeah, that's great, uh, Barack Obama. That's really great that you said that. Uh, obviously, I know that that did not make him feel good at all, and he's going to express that through the weather and through other means. And I explain in the Bible, and, I, and yeah, Spain using the Bible in that article that God does direct his punishments and displeasure toward humanity by using the weather. Now, he does also the opposite with the weather as well. So I just wanted to, to point that out to you. Now, getting back, uh, this Bible study is about sharing and caring, and uh, it's been a while since I've given a Bible study on this. And uh, my experience is this this is not a real popular topic for people <laughs> because, you know, when it really gets right down to it, folks, let's let's look at um, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, starting in verse 27. What is worship or religion all about, folks? I'm going to read this in the King James Version, and I'm going to read it in another version so you understand, because this is what this Bible study is about. And uh, it says pure religion, pure religion, that word pure in the Greek, is clean religion. In other words, it's religion that doesn't have any filth in it, that is honest and pure and, and true. Uh, because any religion that's not pure is false. So it says pure, and the Greek word is clean, katharos, clean, clear. In other words, it doesn't have any confusion in it. And then the word religion means observance, worshiping. So clean or true worshiping and undefiled before God doesn't have any spots in it and the father is this to visit the fatherless and physically and spiritually fatherless many people don't know who the true God is and widows in their affliction so this is a Jewish idiom to say hey the poor and the afflicted which the widows and fatherless are, are really a, a, a vast amount and to keep himself unspotted from the world so pure worshipping or true worshipping uh, because anything that is, is not pure has error in it and is false or is defiled has something to do with giving and caring and sharing with people who are afflicted and it also has something to do with keeping yourself unspotted from the world, which means there's something wrong with the world. Uh, well, that's revealed in uh, Romans chapter 18. Romans chapter 18. Actually, I'm sorry. Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive none of her plagues. Now, let's understand a description of, and I'm reading this in the King James Version, of this Babylon, which is the false geopolitical, educational, religious, and um, financial system of this world. 
says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of her wrath of her fornication. And in this case, it could be yeah, it's talking about physical and spiritual fornication. Fornication to God in this context is talking about worshiping false gods, false ideologies, and false religions and concepts. And the kings of this earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So it tells you that there's something wrong with this world, folks. It's not this great, peaceful world that people have deceived you into thinking it is. And Revelation chapter 17, verse 2, states with whom, well, actually, let me uh, go to verse 1, and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Again, this is spiritual fornication, social fornication, uh, behavioral fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have made have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So again, the, the Bible tells you that there's something wrong with this world. Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 7. Jeremiah 51, verse 7. says, Babylon, which means Babel, means confusion. Confusion in the original Hebrew, Babel. Have been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. So it tells you all of the earth's population, with the exception of Jeremiah, because he was born from the Holy Spirit from the womb. Johannan or John the Baptist was born from the Holy Spirit from the womb. And of course, our Lord and Savior, Yeshua and Messiah, who was perfect, was born from the womb. With the exception of those three, everyone else had been drunken with the wine of Babylon's uh, deceptions. Jeremiah 51, verse 7, Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. <laughs> and that's that's what it means here. This this go into the, the, the this word. I want to explain this in detail here. Um, it says here to signify boasting. Other forms of the word mean to act foolishly or to be mad, and that's what this is talking about here. Uh, and, and and the whole world we have a tendency, and we have shown to uh, to act foolishly. So that's what the Bible tells us, folks. And we're in the, in this world. And I explained to you in Jer- last week in Jeremiah chapter 19, starting in verse, um, actually Jeremiah 16, rather, Jeremiah 16, verse 19, says right here, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles, which are the rest of the nations outside of the twelve tribes of Israel, shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers, which is our past generations, have inherited lies, vanity, and the things where there is no profit. So we have inherited all kinds of lies through our past generation, just like, you know, I, uh, families, they say, well, hey, I slapped my children, 
my my father slapped me, so I should slap you. Well, is that right? Is that proper? No, not according to the scriptures, and not according to just using your common sense. Uh, slapping is brutal. Uh, you can cause serious bodily harm when you slap people, depending on how you do it and how hard you do it, and it's insulting. And it's uh, is not disres- it's not respecting a human being when you slap. And the Bible does talk about corporal punishment, but as I explained last week, for a child it should be done on the buttocks. You shall beat him with a rod or stick. He shall not die or she shall not die. And then for a human, an adult in, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, they get whips on their back. That's the way it was done back then. But nowhere does the Bible say, unless it's for self-defense, uh, that you should be hitting someone in the head or in a war, in a righteous war situation. And then actually there's some scriptures in the Bible that tells you that people that do that hit each other and so forth, they get punished for it. And even in our, if I go right down the street right now and I, and I see some an adult or even a child and I hit them in the head, I'm going to be put in jail. So we even have laws against that. <laughs> if I go and just slap somebody, you know, in the head, I'm going to be put in jail for an assault and battery. And then, but if we do that to our ch- children, it's okay, right? No, it's not. I mean, you got to use your common sense there. But anyway, before I get off track here, I, I was trying to explain when I go back to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. What pure religion is, okay? And it has a lot to do with giving. Um, if you studied my Bible study on the basic doctrines of God or Elohim, the first doctrine is repentance of dead works. And one of the ways that you show that you have repented so that you could receive the Holy Spirit, because you don't receive the Holy Spirit first and then repent. Uh, you have to do it the other way around. Uh, in Luke, Chapter 3, Luke chapter 3. You know, I must address this because most people don't understand what real and true religion is, folks. It's not about how many Hebrew words you know and how many Greek words you know. It's not about whether or not you wear a head covering. It's not about whether or not you wear a zitzit. If you don't know what that is, that's in Numbers chapter 15, I think starting at verse 37. Uh, It's not about any other thing other than <laughs> caring about people, folks. Uh, ever since Cain murdered Abel, humankind has had a problem with caring about their fellow human being. And that is the crux of the problem of humanity and why we all must change. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 7. I'm going to read this in the easy-to-read version of the Bible for clarity's sake. Crowds of people came to be baptized or immersed by John or Johanan, but he said to them, You are all snakes. Who warned you to run from God's judgment that is coming? Now, I want you to... These are the, probably one of the most powerful words in the Bible given by or said by who Yeshua stated or Jesus stated the greatest man who ever lived outside of himself. So please pay attention to these words. Verse 8, change your hearts or minds or way of thinking and show by your lives that you have changed. 
That's what repentance means. I know what you are about to say, but Abraham is our father. That means nothing. So he was talking to a Jewish audience at this time. And the Jews back then, and I think they still think this today, or quite a few of them, just because they're God's chosen people, not because they're superior, but because they have a, a responsibility to properly teach the people the truth of God, says that means nothing. I tell you that God can make children for Abraham from these rocks. And he has. Anyway, <laughs> spiritually, verse 9, the axe is now ready to cut down the trees. The, the axe is judgment, and the trees are human beings when you understand the context. Every tree or human being that does not produce good fruit, good behavior, good behavior. It doesn't mean how much money you've made. As many of these false ministers, they use this scripture and they take it out of context and they try to preach to, pe uh, preach to the people and teach them that, oh, look at all the money I made. Look at all the buildings we built. Look at all the television programs we're on. No, that's, that's not the fruit that it's talking about. It's talking about your behavior how you act and how you treat people. The axe is now ready to cut down the trees. Every human being or tree that does not produce good fruit or good behavior will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay, so that's something that you need to understand here, that you must produce good fruit. In verse 10, the people asked John, what should we do? Verse 11, he answered, if you have two shirts, share with someone who does not have one. If you have food, share that too. That, ladies and gentlemen, is pure religion, true religion. Now, what are the benefits of sharing and caring, folks? There's quite a few, but I'm going to highlight certain ones uh, so that you understand and Daniel, Daniel, chapter 4, Daniel, chapter 4, verse 27, I'm going to read this in the English, the easy-to-read version for clarity's sake, Daniel 4, verse 27, so king, please accept my advice, stop sinning and do what is right. Stop doing bad things and be kind to poor people. Then you might continue to be successful. That is an excellent translation of that, but I think there's even a better translation here of this. Uh, in the complete Jewish Bible version, for clarity's sake, Therefore, your majesty, please take my advice. Break with your sins or repent of your sins by replacing them with acts of charity. The Jews understand this almost, per if not perfectly, uh, Zadaka, acts of charity, and break with your crimes by showing mercy or compassion to the poor. This may extend the time of your prosperity. So this was told to King Nebuchadnezzar that, you know, the way to repent, one of the major ways is to show that you care and show it by your behavior what you do, not what you say. And many people just don't understand that. They don't understand that, unfortunately. Now, let's go to Hebrews. I, I try to explain to people, what is the purpose of the sacrifices? What What is the purpose of the sacrifices? What is the ultimate purpose? What does it lead to? What is the spiritual, what is the spiritual meaning of it? 
Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 16. Hebrews 13, verses 15 to 16. Through him, therefore, let us offer God a sacrifice of praise continually. Now, when you understand the sacrifices and offering, they were given every day. You had a sacrifice of a lamb in the morning and the evening. That that is the uh, the continual sacrifice, the daily offering. Through him, therefore, let us offer God a sacrifice of praise continually. For this is the natural product of lips that acknowledge his name. But don't forget doing good and sharing with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And that's what the, in addition to symbolizing, of course, the sacrifice of Christ, or Yeshua, the sacrifices also point us to doing what we should all do, practicing pure worship or true worship, is to share and care about people. That's what we should do. And as I pointed out in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, says, when someone asks you for something, give it to him. This is in red letters in the King James Version, even though I'm reading this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake to get the Jewish mindset or perspective on this. Uh, because after all, you're sure Jesus is a Jew. Matthew 5, verse 42. Well, actually, let me go. I like this uh, verse, too. In verse 41. And if a soldier forces you to carry his pack for one mile, carry it for two. <laughs> In verse 42, when someone asks you for something, give it to them. When someone wants to borrow something, not giving money, but borrow something from you, lend it to them. Verse uh, 43, you have heard that our fathers were told, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Then you will become children of your father in heaven. For he makes his sun shine on good and bad people alike. And he sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Verse 46 of Matthew chapter 5. What reward do you get if you love only those who love you? I'm going to repeat this three times, folks. What reward do you get if you love only those who love you? Again, what reward do you get if you love only those who love you? Why, even tax collectors do that. Verse 47, and if you are friendly only to your friends, are you doing anything out of the ordinary? Even the goyim or the Gentiles do that. Verse 48, therefore, be perfect or complete, just as your Father in heaven is complete. So, you're not a real believer if you don't consistently try to the best of your ability to give to people who need your help. Uh, giving food, clothes, shelter, whatever you can, your time, your wisdom, whatever, valuable information for somebody to get money or, or help, whatever. You have to give. That's what life is all about, folks. It's not about storing up riches for yourself. Uh, you know, I have to address this. I know this is not a popular message. I don't care. Uh, it's something that I have to do from time to time because people think that life is all about, or most people anyway, all about building treasure on this earth. And the Bible does not 
say that, folks. It does not say that life is about building treasure on earth. It's not about that at all. It's not about that. I'm going to find a scripture here to prove that here. Well, Yeshua stated that you must build treasure in heaven. Uh, remember when in Matthew chapter 19, this is this is really a perfect example. Let's go over this here. Let's go over this. I know I was going to give a Bible study about how to have peace, but this is one of the ways <laughs> to have peace. When you give the people, it, it, it gives you peace. It gives you a peace of mind. Uh, Matthew chapter uh, 19. Actually, let me go to, um, let's look at the context here of this. Matthew 19, verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto me, Good master, what good thing, this is in the King James Version, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? In verse 17, and he said unto him, Why callest me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter life, and you get many ministers saying you don't have to keep the law, well, what did the Yeshua say? But if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments. Plain sentence in red letters here. Okay? And it's not just referring to the Jew. It's referring to any human being. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. How do I know that? Well, hold your place in Matthew 19, verse 17, and turn. let's turn to Ecclesiastes. Because this statement by Christ supports this statement in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Verse 13, and it's in the King James Version. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Colon, let's continue on. Fear God and keep his commandments. Colon, let's continue on. For this is the whole duty of man. It doesn't say it's the whole duty of just the Jews or Israel. It's saying this is the whole duty of man. That word man is Adam in Hebrew. It means human being, mankind. That's what it means. Verse 14 in the King James Version. And why? Why is this the whole duty of mankind, of humankind? Verse 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. That's the reason why this is the whole duty of mankind, of humanity, is because we have to learn what is right and what is wrong. We are not going to learn that by not understanding the commandments of this entire Bible. It's not just in the first five books of Moshe or Moses is in the entire Bible, case in point, the scripture where it says that fathers should, uh, don't provoke your children to anger. That is not found in the first five books of Moshe. Okay, that's the reason why the Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture, the Old and New Testament, is used to help us be a better person, to bear that fruit that John the Baptist stated that we must bear to uh, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And I try to tell people this over and over again, and people are stubborn, and they don't want to turn their hearts to God. And it saddens me so much. 
this this Bible study is a heart the heart Bible study, folks. I'm pleading with you to change and to learn how to give. I give the best I can. One of the ways that I give is to give a program here each and every week to show you the truth of the Bible. I am a true servant of God. I can prove it. I already haven't proven it in this program by giving you certain scriptures you probably had never heard of before. Not that that makes me any better than you. I just believe in God. And I believe these words. And these words have changed me for the better. And they continue to change me to the better. And the same thing will happen to you if you just learn how to submit to these words and to do what he commands. In Proverbs chapter 1, what does it state here? What does it state? It says the Proverbs of Solomon, in the first verse, the son of David, king of Israel, verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, fairness. Verse 4, to give subtly to the simple. To give subtlety to the simple. Or good sense. Common sense. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. So young men, listening to this, you should study the book of Proverbs. It will give you uh, knowledge and discretion. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise consoles. Verse 6, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. So the book of Proverbs helps you to understand the words of the wise and their dark sayings. And verse 7 is a pivotal verse here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's to found this whole book, the whole entire Bible is the foundation of all knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you despise what I'm saying, well, the Bible is calling you that, not me. It says fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then this is important. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. And of course, this is assuming the father is instructing you correctly and is not violating the laws of God. And the same thing... Uh, in reference to your mother, and forsake not the law of thy mother. In other words, let me just give you a simple example. If my father right now told me, son, go out and kill people, I'm not going to obey that. Because the 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 uh, commandment, the sixth commandment says, thou shalt not murder. I'm not going to murder somebody because my father tells me to. It's in violation of the of the, the, the law of God. And that's the only only time you dis, uh, you not obey your parents when they're not obeying God. Anyway, verse 9. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. All right, so a key verse that I like to quote in verse 22 of Proverbs chapter 1. Let me see if I can read this in a, uh, yeah, in a complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. Proverbs 1 verse 22. How long... You, whose lives have no purpose, will you love thoughtless living? And unfortunately, as I've explained to you, uh, most of us are living and we're assuming that everything that we're doing is correct, that our parents have 100% taught us correctly. And I tell you by the authority of the scriptures that that's incorrect thinking, that all of our parents have taught some error to us, some error. How long 
you whose lies, and they and they didn't do it on purpose. They just didn't know any better. How long, you whose lies have no purpose, will you love thoughtless living? How long will scorners find pleasure in mocking? How long will fools hate knowledge? And that's what fools hate knowledge. They, they don't want to learn anything. Verse 23, repent when I reprove. That's what uh, Johannan was talking about, John the Baptist. Repent when I reprove. When you know that you're being, uh, uh, when you know, that you're being corrected. You should change and react on that correction. Don't get angry and upset about it. I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because you refused when I called and no one paid attention when I put out my hand, but instead you neglected my counsel and would not accept my reproof. I, in turn, will laugh at your distress and mock when your terror comes over you. Yes, when terror overtakes you like a storm and your disaster approaches like a whirlwind or hurricane, when the stress and trouble assail you, then you will call me, but I won't answer. And you don't want to get God this angry at you that he doesn't answer when you call out to him. They will seek me earnestly, but they won't find me. Verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of Adonai or the Lord. They refused my counsel and despised my correction or reproof. Verse 31, so they will bear the consequences of their own way and be overfilled with their own schemes. Verse 32, for the aimless wandering of the thoughtless, and that's what the majority of people on earth do, unfortunately, will kill them. And the smug overconfidence of fools, and that's what a lot of fools have. They have smug overconfidence in their, quote, wisdom, quote, end of quote. The smug overconfidence of fools will destroy them. But here's the key verse, folks. I hope you pay attention. But those who pay attention to me, not me, canard, but the words of God, will live securely untroubled by fear of misfortune. It doesn't say that you won't have misfortune because the Bible says that even believers through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. But it says you won't have the fear of it. You won't have fear of it. That's the, that's the difference. You'll have confidence that God is going to get you through it because he has promised that he will get unbelievers, I mean believers rather, believers through affliction. He promised that. And what is the fear of God? What does the Bible tell us uh, what the fear of God is? One of, the, one, of, one of the elements of the fear of God, Proverbs 8, verse 13. It states the fear of Adonai is hatred of evil. We shouldn't hate people. We should hate evil that comes out of them. <laughs> That's what we should be hating. I hate pride and arrogance. Pride thinks you, it means that you know everything. You can't be told nothing. Uh, and, and arrogance, that's what that means too. Evil ways and, and uh, speech that is uh, perverted or speech that is not of God. Hurtful words. Hurtful words. You know, God hates that. When we, As I explained last week, when you talk to people, you got to be careful how you talk to people. Don't hurt them with your words. That's not of God. That's of the devil. That applies to fathers, sons, daughters, anyone. <laughs> Aunts, uncles, whatever. I mean, it, it applies to anyone. we got to be careful about it. We should be gentle. And, and watch what we say. There's a whole whole um, chapter in the Bible, James three, about our tongue and how we should control our tongue, and 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 uh, we should uh, learn how to to uh, carefully correct people in a kind way. So it's 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 very important to to understand those things, folks. And you know, there's a scripture in the. Uh, let me turn to treasures. Um, yeah, I wanted to get into the treasures in heaven. Yeah, I, I quoted that, and then um, 
we we should be building treasure in heaven, folks. I'm trying to find the scripture that talks about that here. That we should build treasure in heaven. Yeah, well, that's the scripture that talks about building treasure in heaven. And you do that by, by giving. Giving to people. That's the point I'm trying to make here, that uh, that you have to build treasure. And, and God wants you to build treasure, make a list of things that you have done good, because that's what he's doing. He's, he's going to judge us by our behavior, folks. Um. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, in the easy-to-read version of the Bible, it says, Don't fear, little flock. And that tells you that the true believers of God is not many of us. I'm, I'm going to quote a scripture to, to prove that to you. It's not many of us that keep the Sabbath and the holy days like Yeshua. It says, Don't fear, little flock. Your Father wants to share His kingdom with you. So we have to follow our Father's example by learning how to share our things with, with other people, especially believers. Verse 33 Sell the things you have and give that money to those who need it. This is the only way you can keep your riches from being lost. You will be storing treasure in heaven that lasts forever. Thieves can't steal that treasure and the moths can't destroy it. Your mind, or the way you thought, your center of thought, will be where your treasure is at. All right? So that that is what pure and true religion is is, is about, folks. It's not about how much you know about the Bible. It's not about wearing certain things or wearing your beard properly. and It has something to do with it, but that's not what is called the weightier matters of the law, folks. The weightier matters of the law or the, or the parts of the law that are heavy are mercy, justice, and faith. Those are the things that we need to focus on more. That's found in Matthew chapter 23, by the way, than all these other little things that we make a big deal about. We need to, to, to share and care about people. That's what we need to do. And I and I have to get this message out because I, I just see, as the Bible prophesies, a lack of that, a lack of uh, people caring about one another. And that's the reason why there is so much wickedness and evil in this world. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, let's see, Matthew... Um, Chapter uh, 24, rather. I'm making a point here. We have entered this time. I mean, we've been in this time for, I would say, for a while, but, but it's getting really bad. And and uh, Matthew chapter 24, in the complete Jewish Bible version, for clarity's sake, verse 10. At that time, and it's talking about this time that we're living in today in the 21st century. At that time, many will be trapped into betraying and hating each other. Many false prophets will appear and fool many people. Verse 12, and many people's love will grow cold, like an icicle. You hold an icicle, that's cold, right? Because of increased distance from Torah or the instructions and doctrines and laws of God. And that's the state that we're in right now. Uh, many people don't care about one another. I'm going to quote some statistics uh, to prove this to you, that, that not only is this happening in the United States, 
is happening worldwide, folks. There's a serious problem with people not wanting to share and care about one another. Um, let me prove to you again that a lot of people are, are have that attitude, and because of that, it, the Bible reveals this. In Matthew 7, verse 13, Go in through the narrow gate, for the gate that leads to destruction is wide, and the road broad, and many travel it. So, as confirmed by the other scriptures that I quoted to you, many, many people in the world are going into that broad gate that leads to destruction. Verse 14, But it is a narrow gate and a hard road that leads to life, and only a few, and that word few in the Greek means uh, very few people, I meet I a minute amount of people, find that way of life. I'm trying to hammer this to help you to understand that True believers at this time, there's not that many in the world, folks. It's, it's not that many people that understand John, 1 John 2, verse 6, that we must walk as Yeshua walked if we claim to be a believer. We, we must do the things that he did. And one of the things that he did is keep the Sabbath and the holy days. And you get all these false ministers preaching, no, you don't do that. He nailed the law on the cross. And he did not nail the law to the cross. He did not nail the teachings, doctrines, the teachings and the doctrines and the regulations and the laws to the cross. He did not do that, folks. That is a lie. One of the greatest lies that were ever perpetrated in so-called religion. So, you know, I'm, I'm hammering this to you, trying to explain to you the importance of giving to people that you know need your help. And in your own local communities, if you have the time and the resources, you should be giving to people in your local communities, regardless of whether they're your friends, regardless of whether they love you, you should be giving to them. Paul stated that we should do the following here, that we should remember the poor. You don't forget the poor. You should remember the poor. And there's different categories of poor. You have extreme poverty. You have people that are moderately poor and people that are the working poor, like myself. And and Torah teachers, as I'm going to try to explain to you, True Torah teachers don't have a lot of money. Uh, they're, they're struggling financially, and they need help. That's probably one of the reasons why God tells you to give to them. Because people that, that stand up for the truth of God, folks, they are persecuted. I mean, they you just have no clue. The, the tremendous persecution that I have to endure from Hasatan or, or the devil, that's uh, Satan in Hebrew. Uh, and... I'm being attacked right now, so much so now that I haven't done this before. But uh, I, I need some help right now. Uh, I, I'm going through some tremendous persecution, and this help is along the lines of what Shaul stated, that you're content if you have food and clothes. Well, and then the clothes also can mean shelter. Well, uh, my rent is in danger here, <laughs> my livelihood, and... and uh, I don't usually do this, but this is a very serious situation. That's why I'm going over this. Not just for me, but if you know anyone that's going through a tremendous trial, going through suffering, you should help them. In Galatians 2, verse 10, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forwarded to do. So we, we should remember the poor, folks. That's a part of 
That's a major part of true religion. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Verse 33. I can say the same thing uh, as Paul is stating here. It's in the King James Version. I have coveted a lust for no man's silver or gold of apparel. This ministry that I have is not a 501c3 organization. Uh, I'm not saying give to me so you'll be able to to get a uh, tax deduction. Uh, if you just give because you're expecting something back, that's not really giving, folks. Okay, you should give and not expect anything back. That's found in, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. All right, and, and uh, you should give because you know it's the right thing to do. But I'm just telling you, just like Paul here, I have coveted no man's silver, gold, of apparel. And this ministry is not about that. This is a free service that I provide. Uh, and I, this is one of the ways that I give. You can give in many different ways. And one of the ways that I'm giving is giving the knowledge that God has poured into my mind. And I give this information, this life-changing information to you. And I don't ask for any money. This program, you're listening for free. I pay for it myself. Uh, verse 34, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessity. So Shaul, or Paul, just like myself, we work, or he worked, and I worked. And, and, and if you study Jewish history, the rabbis, they had an occupation. Yeshua was a carpenter, and he worked. Ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things that so laboring you all to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what he said, ladies and gentlemen. And this is a request. And like I said, I don't usually do this, uh, I, you know, but I need help here. Uh, I went to my family. I don't know if my family is going to help me or not. Okay, But I, I know I have a spiritual family. I know that people listen to this program each and every week. And if you have benefited at all from my preaching, you are commanded of God to share whatever you have with your teacher. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, I have to preach the truth, folks. I can't run away from this. If true worshiping is about giving and sharing, then I have to address this. Galatians 6, verse 6, But whoever is being instructed in the word should share all the good things he has with his instructor. Uh, you know, And if you've learned anything, you should share. Each and every minister, they beg every week for people to give to them. You know, I don't do that because that's, I work, I have a job, and, and up to this point, my Lord and Savior has provided all my needs through uh, occupation, but I'm having a problem with that. I'm trying to find a job right now. My business has gone down the drain, basically, because of this economy. I'm a direct marketing consultant, and I've tried to, to uh, get uh, contracts, I've had people lie to me and say they're going to do a certain thing. This one particular individual, and he hasn't. So right now I have four interviews next week. Hopefully uh, Yahweh will bless me if you guys don't have any money. But if you, you can certainly pray for me. That's one way you can give. Pray that I get an occupation, a job, uh, so that I can have enough money to to pay my bills and to have enough money for the business that I have on the side that I could uh, build it back up. But anyway, Galatians 6, verse 6, but whoever is being instructed in the Word should share all the good things he has with his instructor. And uh, I may 
go over again in this program. So if I do, uh, you can listen to this on the archives. But I have to address this here, but this is important, because we all have had a problem not wanting to give and being stingy. Uh, we, we all have had that problem, folks, and we need to repent of that. And like I said, I give the best I can. I really do. Uh, but I, I'm broke right now. You know, I, I need help. Um, uh, my rent is $804. Um, it's going to be due uh, July 5th. Uh, July Up to July 10th, it's going to be 800 and uh, at a late fee, $839. And after that, it'll be, I think, it's $879. So that's my situation here. And then also my wife, and I, because I've avoided going to my family, we've been struggling through payday loans. Uh, we owe up to $2,000 of payday loans. Uh, and our budget uh, is is 600 to $700 we're losing every month. Um, and, and it's really killing us here right now. And I'm pleading with you, if you have any monies at all, and I'm not asking you to go broke, let me let me go to, I want you to understand, I'm different now. I, I, I'm setting myself apart here. Uh, first, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. No, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 chapter 5, verse 8. It says here, Moreover, anyone who does not provide for his own people, especially for his family, has discovered his own faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So make sure that you take care of your responsibilities first. Make sure that your bills are paid. Make sure that you don't get yourself in a situation where you give to me that you go bankrupt and you can't take care of yourself. It shouldn't be to that point. However, it should be a sacrifice. And what I mean to explain, if you are uh, going, planning to go on a vacation, which isn't a need, by the way, if you sacrifice your vacation for me, if you sacrifice your vacation for other people you know that are struggling in your community, that is a sacrifice. God is not telling you to go sell your home, your only place that you have, for a ministry. I understand that... There have been ministries that would even encourage you to go bankrupt on their behalf. That is totally wicked, and that is against this scripture. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking if you can spare 20 or 30 or 40 or dollars $10, $5, $2, whatever, to help me, I would appreciate it. That's what I'm saying right now. You know, I, 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 This is a dire situation I'm in right now. I don't know how we're going to get into this. Uh, we may have to get another payday loan, and I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to do that. So um, I want to quote some other scriptures here, and this is something that the Bible is not suggesting you do. It's commanding you do, all right? And we're all going to be judged about how much we have given to other people. Now, this is in the article that I've written uh, on my website, The Merciful Service of God, Tithes and Offerings. It states that most true Torah teachers, ministers, and Levites, spiritual Levites, are poor, meaning that we don't have a lot of possessions. I don't have a, the only possession I have is a car, and it's not worth nothing, hardly. Okay, and then a, a treadmill, which is not worth anything. We got that for health reasons. My wife is a uh, di- diabetic, and uh, it has helped her somewhat control her diabetes. So, but but anyway, and it helps me. I, I've lost about almost ten pounds here, you know. So, uh, it's help. It helps us uh, for um, health reasons. But you know, poor Torah teachers are servants that are not rich and just have what they need to survive. And and Deuteronomy chapter twelve verse nineteen states this. It says, "Take heed to thyself that you forsake not the Levite, as long as they live upon the earth." This applies also to Yeshua's Levites, which I'm one of them. 
um, says right here in First Timothy chapter five, verse seventeen, eighteen, in the complete Jewish Bible version. The leaders who lead well should be considered worthy of double honor, especially those working hard at com- communicating the word and at teaching. And that's what I do. For the Tanakh says, you are not to muzzle an ox when it's treading out the grain. In other words, the worker deserves his wages. Okay, and the Bible says, and other Torah teachers, that I deserve uh, money from you or anything else you can give to me. That's what it says. That's what it says. And I've been, you know, I, I've been afraid to talk about this because I know people scatter when, when you, you, but I know there's some people out there that understands this, and they are true believers, and they will respond accordingly. So that that's why I'm pleading with you uh, to, to help me and my family here. I want to continue to, to do what I'm doing, uh, and I need to do it, but I do need your help. There's a lot of other things I need to do. I want to be able to advertise this program. Uh, through using social media. I don't have the funds to do that. So uh, I ask that if any of you are benefiting from what I'm saying that I'm asking and the Lord is asking you as well to contribute. Actually, he's commanding you to contribute and to give. The Lord wants us to give, folks. That's that's what true and, and pure religion is all about. So... That's what I'm asking for you to do. Your zadaka, your 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 offerings and and your tithes, and I do explain in this article what tithing is all about. I need to modify it here because the Lord has given me wisdom and helps me to understand. He helped me to understand that the first fruits is not referring to tithes, so I have to explain uh, change that that error in the article. But the rest of the article pretty much is is pretty accurate, and I suggest you read the article to understand how to give, because many people don't understand how to give. And in Proverbs 19, verse 17, here's a promise from God, if you decide to give to me. And in, in the uh, uh, New American Standard Bible version of the Bible, NSB, says, One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. So when you're gracious to me, who is a poor man, in other words, I don't have that much. You know, I don't have an inheritance. I, I don't have anything, you know, other than what well, I don't even have a savings. And, 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 and I'm hoping if... And when God blesses me to, to, to correct this financial problem, to start saving money. Um, I've already put all the credit cards, which I've had many of them, and I had to do it because I broke my wrist last year and I lost two projects. And I accumulated $15,000 worth of credit card debt uh, because of handling, you know, I, I didn't have any money coming in. I was trying to look for jobs and, and so forth, and nothing was coming through. And and, and uh, I had to, to take care of necessities, so I had to get credit cards. So... We have over fifteen thousand dollars, around fifteen, yeah, over fifteen thousand dollars worth of credit card debt through this one program that I found, and uh, this is uh, helping us manage our debt. But we need help uh, in that area. There's three hundred and seventy-five dollars per month that I have to pay on these credit cards starting in August, and and uh, any help that you can provide, I would appreciate it to relieve me so that I could focus on this ministry more. That, that's what I would love to do. But I'm still going to continue to work um, to be an example unto the people that I teach. Because the Bible states, the Sabbath commandments, uh, that uh, you should work six days. Why should it be any different uh, for a minister? So that's that's what I do. I work six days a week. And I will always do that regardless of how much money I receive from my students. You. So... Um, if you want to give, if you have it in your heart to give to me, let me 
show you how to do this. And keep in mind that I'm not under the 501c3 designation, uh, me, and then you don't have to be as a ministry. So um, don't expect to receive uh, a receipt from me stating the fact that you um, have a tax deduction that you can go and use for, to reduce your taxes. Uh, if you if anyone needs to give because they know they're going to get something back, then I don't want them to give to me. That's not that's not giving properly. You should give and not expect nothing back, and it should it should hurt a little bit. It should be a sacrifice, not to the detriment of your family, but to the detriment of your wants. You know, oh, I, I I want this, I want that. Well, you should sacrifice your wants. Now, your needs, food and clothes and shelter, uh, as long as it's not going to hurt your family, you should sacrifice your needs as well. But your responsibility is to take care of your God doesn't want you to, to give away everything, and here you are a burden to, to society. He doesn't want you to do that, and I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to give what you can, all right? And if you have it in your heart to do that, if you understand the following scripture I'm going to quote to you here, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 28, in the complete Jewish Bible version, the thief must stop stealing. Instead, he should make an honest living by his own efforts. This way, he will be able to share with those in need. And that's what we should do. The reason why we work is to give to those who need, including Torah teachers. And this message is not just for this exceptional situation that I have. But you should continuously give to me. As long as you're benefiting from my teachings, you are commanded to give to me and to other Torah teachers. The Bible prophesied that this is a big problem in the end time, that people were holding their tithes and offerings and not giving as they properly should. It's in the uh, Malachi chapter 3. I'm sure you're familiar with it. So, and I, I can tell you right now, I, I don't get, I'm not asking for riches, but I don't get contributions consistently. And that's wrong. I should. I should. I didn't ask to be a Torah teacher. God wanted me to be a Torah teacher, and, and that's what I am. And I do the best I can, and, and I work. But I do need your help, and I need your consistent offerings and gifts and tithes. And if that scares some, some people away from listening to me, then you're not really true believers anyway. So, And, and, and uh, you're going to be held accountable to God. But anyway, Romans chapter 12 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but try to do what everyone regards as good as possible, and to the extent that it depends on you, live in peace with all people. And it says, uh, it's talking about enemies, and I know I'm not your enemy, but God wants us to give so bad that he wants us to give also to people who we disagree with. And he's talking about food and, and clothes and shelter. So, and I'm having a problem with that right now, and I, I'm, I'm being honest with you, and, and I need your help. Uh, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, states plainly, and I, and I put this at the title, next to the title of the program, uh, Sharing and Giving. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 states this. It says, Give, and you will receive gifts. The full measure, compacted, shaken together, and overflowing will be put right into your lap. For the measure with which you measure out will be used to measure back to you. So it's very important, folks, to give. To give not only to Torah teachers, but to everyone else. And this program is going to it's going to end. You're not going to hear me uh, anymore. But the program is going to continue. I, I want to quote some other scriptures to prove to you that Torah teachers, we suffer, we go through a lot of anguish, 
and we need help spiritually and physically and financially. Okay, it's on a recording now, so I'm going to continue on speaking here. And I, I want to reveal to you what the scriptures state about um, ministers and the fact that most ministers, they struggle. Because I don't think the majority of people understand that with uh, the way ministry is today and, and the way is uh displayed. Uh, is, the picture is that a true servant of God has a lot of money and they preach the gospel of prosperity and, and so forth, which is a false gospel, by the way. Um, God does not promise that you're going to be rich if you are obedient to him. So that that is definitely something that... Uh, it's not based on scriptures at all. Uh, let's turn to First Corinthians chapter, uh, or actually Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six, starting in verse four. I'm going to read this in the King James version for clarity's sake here. We then, as workers together with and beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. For he said, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience and afflictions and in necessities, I have necessities, and distresses and stripes, beatings, uh, in my case it's physically, uh, spiritually beatings and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings. In other words, we work and watchings and fastings by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the arm of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as chastised and, and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and possessing all things. So let me read this in the English, the easy to read version for clarity's sake here. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1, in the easy-to-read version, we are workers together with God, so we beg you, don't let grace that you receive from God be for nothing. In verse 3, we don't want people to find anything wrong with our work, so we do nothing that would be a problem to others, and, and I don't want to be a problem to you or a burden. Verse 4, but in every way we show that we are servants of God. We never give up, even though we face troubles difficulties and problems of every kind. That this is the, this is the definition of a true Torah teacher or minister, folks. So listen up. Verse five. We are beaten and thrown into prison. That hasn't happened to me yet. It may. Uh people get upset at us and fight against us. Huh? That's another characteristic. We work hard and sometimes we get no sleep or food. So a true characteristic of a minister is, is someone that works hard. And sometimes we get no sleep or food and I can admit that you know, I don't get any sleep, and, and and right now I'm suffering with a little bit. I don't have the kind of food that I would like. Um, we show that we are God's servant by our pure lives, by our understanding, by our patience, and by our kindness. We show it by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love. By, by, it doesn't say anything about how much money you make. That, that doesn't prove to you that you're God's servant. 
Verse 7, by speaking the truth. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142. The truth is the Torah, the teachings and doctrines and laws of God. By speaking the truth and by depending on God's power. This right way of living has prepared us to defend ourselves against every kind of attack. And that's what I do. Verse 8, some people honor us, but others shame us. Some people say good things about us, but others say bad things. Some people say we are liars, but we speak the truth, and I speak the truth. Verse 9, to some people we are not known, but we are well known. We seem to be dying, but look, we continue to live. We are punished, but we are not killed. We have much sadness, and I do, but we are always rejoicing. We are poor, but we are making many people rich in faith. We have nothing, but really we have everything. Yeah, I don't have nothing as far as possessions, but I do. I am building treasure in heaven, as, as the Bible commands that I do. And that's what I'm doing, and that's what a true Torah teacher does. So, I'm going to end on that, folks. Um, this is a special request here, and this is a request to continuously help me and other Torah teachers and other poor people in your community. And I'm requesting that you help me uh, by going to the MercifulServanceOfGod.com website and click on the menu bar, Tithes and Offerings, scroll down to the bottom. Scroll down to the bottom. And click the Donate button. And if you have it in your heart to give to me, please give to me. I desperately need your help right now. And I should be, from time to time, I should be able to go to God's true people who truly do care and understand that caring, caring and sharing is what pure religion is all about. And I, you know, I promised that I was going to read you some statistics before closing here. First of all, I want to read, quote this scripture here. So if you want to give to me, if you have it in your heart to give to me, if you understand that that's the right thing to do, and that you should give to your instructor who is teaching you. I am your instructor. I'm one of your instructors anyway. That's teaching you. If you listen to this program every week, you're benefiting greatly, and God commands you to share whatever you have. Whatever you can give, you should give to me. Because we are, as I've stated, that Torah teachers are going through tremendous suffering tremendous suffering and i am going through tremendous suffering right now financially and it's causing a burden on us and I, you know if you give to me it's going to help me to focus on this ministry more you should get consistently give to me you should consistently give to me as god commands and not just to me this is not about me this is a request to give to other people okay so let me quote this scripture here in proverbs proverbs Chapter 30, starting in verse 8. So, um, trying to find the scripture here when it talks about what's going on in society today. It says there's a generation that is just totally, yeah, right here, Proverbs 30, verse 14 says, there is a generation, this is definitely the generation, the nuclear bomb generation that began in 1945, whose teeth are like swords and their jaw teeth like knives that devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. And I just want to quote that to you so you'll understand the following statistics that I'm going to quote you. Uh, former presidential candidate John Edwards stated that it would only take $20 billion, that's what it would be, per year to eliminate poverty in the United States. 
Now, according to the FeedingAmerica.org website, these are the facts here. Uh, in 2009, there were 43.6 million people, 14.3% that were in poverty. I think it's at 50 million now, currently. 8.8 uh, or 11.1% million families were in poverty. That's 8.8 million families were in poverty. This is just in the United States. 24.7 million of people aged 18 to 64 were in poverty. 15.5 million children under the age of 18 were in poverty. 3.4 million seniors 65 and older were in poverty. And then hunger statistics on food insecurity and very low food security. In 2009, 50.2 million Americans lived in food insecure households, 33 million adults, and 17.2 million children. So this is sad, folks. I mean, this is really sad what's going on here um, with our attitude. And to eliminate worldwide poverty would cost only $47.3 billion. This is according to the State of the World 2004 uh, booklet or book, Consumption by the Numbers by the World Watch Institute. So a total of $67.3 billion per year would provide the following. For all of mankind, folks, reproductive health care, elimination of hunger and malnutrition, universal literacy, clean drinking water for all, immunizing every child. Annually, we spend billions of dollars on the following luxuries. Makeup, we spend $18 billion worldwide just on makeup. Perfumes, $15 billion. Ocean cruises, $14 billion. And ice cream in Europe, $11 billion. A total of $58 billion on luxuries. So that's sad, folks. According to the World Share of Consumption by the World Bank Development Indicators of 2008, the world's richest 20% consumes 76.6% of the world's resources. The world's middle 60% uh, consume 21.9%. The world's poorest 20% consume just 1.5%. So all these statistics prove that prophecy where it says in Proverbs 30, verse 14, there is a generation whose teeth are like swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth, and the needy from among men. So, uh, and then there's one other statistic that I want to quote here. Poverty facts. Uh, this website is one of the best I've ever seen uh, that proves the, the other stinginess of, of most people in the world, particularly the rich people. Uh, poverty facts and stats. That's where this is at, globalissues.org. It says almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day, folks. I mean, that, that, that says it all, folks, about the tremendous poverty in the world. And that's one of the reasons why the Messiah is going to come back for us, folks. One of the major reasons why he's going to be coming back is because of the utter poverty of humanity. Uh, this article states at least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. 80%, folks, at least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. More than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are widening. The poorest 40% of this world's population accounts for 5% of global income. The richest 20% accounts for three-quarters of the world's income. 75%, folks, I'm going to stop. The reason why we have this, folks, since the Industrial Revolution with the invention of the steamboat in Britain, there has been a wide gap 
of the rich and the poor. The United States has the widest of the gaps. And the reason why is most people don't understand the concept that you must give to people who don't have what you have. We all must do that, regardless of religions, ideologies, whether they love you or whether they're your friends. That is true worship. That is pure worship. That is the message, the life-changing message of the gospel in addition to repenting. The way we repent, the ultimate way we repent is learning how to give to one another, folks. That's what we do. We repent by learning how to give to one another. That's what we must do, ladies and gentlemen. I just felt my heart double palpitate here. I thought I was getting ready to have a heart attack. But anyway, um, I'm pleading with you folks because I, I don't know how long I'm going to live. <laughs> just case in point there about my heart acting up here. But uh, I ask that you give to me, folks. And I'm forcing you to is up to you, but God does command that you give to those who are in need. And um, you know, I'm 46 years old, and I'm going through a, a bunch of stress here. And I don't know how much longer I'm going to be alive, folks. So I'm going to try to keep myself alive. I try to take herbs, uh, cayenne, and I need to order some more um, Hawthorne berry, which is good for the heart as well, by uh, through Dr. Christopher. You should check him out, uh, Dr. Christopher. Uh, doc, um, you just type in and Google Dr. Christopher Herbs, and uh, he was one of the pioneers of herbal remedies. But I need to go ahead and order that Hawthorne Berry um, from my heart here. So, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I, I hope you give to me, and I hope you consistently give to me. I need your help. I'm not asking you to make me rich. I'm just asking for you to help me take care of, of well, let me uh, quote what Paul said here. Um, and I try to follow this rule to the best of my ability here. And in First Timothy chapter six, let me read this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. It says now true religion does bring great riches, but only to those who are content with what they have. Verse seven. For we have bought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. So if we have food and clothing or shelter, um, a covering, we will be satisfied with these, and that's me. And right now, <laughs> um, I'm lacking in food. I'm lacking in, in shelter. Uh, we, we're having $600, $700 taken out of our budget uh, for payday loans that we must pay. I, I've asked my, my family. I don't know if they're going to help me or not. Uh, I'm not going to give specific individuals of my family who I've asked, but I don't know if they're going to help out or not. I don't know if they understand what they need to do uh, as far as giving, that that's a part of the gospel of God. How we repent is by giving to people and sharing and caring and giving and sharing whatever we have with them. And, yes, we should suffer a little bit, but not to the point of destroying the, our livelihood and, and uh, sacrificing so much that we have to file bankruptcy. It's all within you. You need to determine what you can sacrifice to help me and help other people. And I do the best I can. I pay for this program. I pay for a Bible software program, or try to pay anyway, <laughs> to be able to be uh, an effective instructor. I give to um, I give to uh, uh, Oxfam. I give to um, Feeding America, $15 a month each. I do what I can to, 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 to do. Uh, and I would increase my giving if I had the money. But here I am. I'm... 
you know, there's a scripture that says you should even give in your poverty. Just, just because you're poor doesn't mean that uh, you shouldn't give. You know, it, it, it's it's plain. And and uh, right here it states. Uh, let me uh, quote a scripture here. Well, first let me quote these scriptures here, uh, justifying the fact that I should get get paid something from people that listen to me. You know, uh, and and I, I desire to give the gospel for free. Well, that means that I don't sell my teachings, folks. I don't have a booklet and say, "Hey, this is a great booklet that I wrote," but I'm charging for it. That you know, that's something that the Bible is totally against. You don't charge for your teachings. However, uh, you should support a ministry that a ministry that's benefiting you. That's what you should do. First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse uh, one. It says in the complete Jewish Bible version, "Am I not a free man? Am I not in the missionary of the Messiah?" Haven't I seen Yeshua, our Lord? Aren't you all, you yourselves the result of the work for the Lord? And again, if you are benefiting from the message that I'm giving to you, then you should give to me. Verse 2, even if to others I am not a missionary, at least I am to you, for you are living proof that I am the Lord's missionary. Verse 3, that is my defense when people put me under examination. Don't we have the right to be given food and drink? And that's all I'm asking. I need money to to be able to... Uh, survive here at this point without having to be a burden to other people and and a burden to myself. Verse 5, don't we have the right to take along with us a believing wife as do the missionaries, also the Lord's brothers and Kepha or, or Peter? Or are Barnaba and I the only ones required to go on working for our living? Did you ever hear of a soldier paying his own expenses or of a farmer planting a vineyard without eating his grapes who shepherds a flock without drinking some of the milk? What I am saying is not based merely on human authority, but because the Torah says the same thing. For the Torah of Moses, it is written, You are not to put a muzzle on an ox when it is treading out the grain. If God is concerned about cattle, all the more does he say this for our sakes. Yes, it is written for us, meaning that he who plows and he who threshes should work, expecting to get a share of the crop. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, and I know I have, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others are sharing in this right to be supported by you, don't we have a greater claim to it? But we don't make use of this right. And I don't. I really, I don't consistently ask you for money, folks. You know that. Rather, we put up with all kinds of things, and I do, so as not to impede in any way the good news about the Messiah. Verse 13, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? And remember, it's talking about food here, necessities. And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrifices offered there. In the same way, keep that in mind, in the same way as the Levites were giving food and, 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 and uh, things of necessities, in the same way the Lord directed that those who proclaim the good news, like myself, should get their living, and it's not talking about riches, folks, but get their living, food, clothes, and, and shelter, because there's scriptures that proves that ministers were taken into people's homes. Verse 15, but I have not made use of any of these rights. I haven't. I really haven't. I haven't demanded that you give to me. Nor am I writing now to secure them for myself, or I'm speaking to secure them for myself. For I would rather die than be deprived of my ground for boasting. Verse 16, for I can't boast merely because, merely because, uh, where did I left off here? For I can't boast merely because I proclaim the good news, for this I do from inner compulsion. Woe is me if I don't proclaim the good news. For I do this 
for I do this willingly. I have a reward, but if I do it unwillingly, I still do it simply because I've been entrusted with a job. So verse 18, when I know, you know, when people don't give to me, just like Shaul stating here, so what is my reward then? Just this, that in proclaiming the good news, I can make it available free of charge without making use of the rights which it entitles me. Okay? So I have a right to ask you for help, folks. I just don't do it very often because I, I follow, because uh, Shaul stated, uh, follow me because I follow Christ. Obviously, Christ had the same attitude. I desire to give my teachings for free. I don't charge for the teachings. I don't tell you, hey, to listen to this message, it costs some money. However, the Lord does command you to give to your Torah teachers. So that's up to you. That's up to you. I'm just telling you because as a servant of God, I have to tell you all that I know about the truth. And one of the truths that I must teach you is that you must give to your men. And that's up to you. But you're giving to me not because... Uh, I, I have a, a great teaching or something that I, I'm putting a, a teaching in a book and you're giving it to, you're giving to me that you should support the ministry. You should do that. And I, I should have taught this more in detail. But I am doing that now because God commands me to do so. So that, that's what I'm doing, folks. And if you have it in your heart to give, you are commanded to give, folks. Not only to me, and I want to stress that, not only to me, but to other people that you know in your community. Your family, you should give, and you shouldn't give just to your family. Charity starts, giving starts with your family, but it's extended to other people as well. God wants us to give to everyone. He's going to share the entire universe with us one day. That's an ultimate example that we all must follow. So I hope that this program has uh, revealed to you folks the importance of giving to everyone, including Torah teachers like myself. I hope that you can help me uh, not only with these immediate needs that I have now, but other needs that, that I will have in the future. And I hope you can t consistently give. I'm not asking you to give me riches. I'm asking you to give me what I need to survive. I explain to you that uh, ministers do suffer, and, and we go through tremendous persecutions. Um, most Torah teachers or ministers don't, true Torah teachers anyway, don't have riches. We don't have great possessions. We struggle. Satan is attacking us constantly. He doesn't like what we're talking about. He doesn't like what we're preaching. So please give to us. Give to Torah teachers, folks. Give to us, and God will bless you with not riches, but the things that you need. That's what he will do. That's what he will do, folks. So, God willing, if I'm available next week, if I don't have a heart attack... <laughs> Uh, heart skipping and all that, you know, because uh, going through all this stress. Uh, may God bless and keep you, and God willing, I will be available for you next week. Take care. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, 
which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 